Thank you, Asa Fontaine congregation, for your uh, kindness, your hospitality over this weekend. Asa Fontaine has always held a special place uh, in our hearts because we've come here for many years, even when we were part of a different denomination, and just enjoyed the scenery, the climate. Uh, and so coming back here is just such a special thing. Uh, and you guys are... Uh, incredible. Last night, I uh, uh, said cheers. Everybody went went to the back of Johan and Lizette's place, and they've been absolutely fantastic hosts. So thank you very much. Uh, and had a shower, and it was eleven o'clock. And I'm thinking, you came at six o'clock, and it's eleven o'clock. Oh, you you know how to care here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, so no falling asleep, eh? No falling asleep. Reminded of that story of a guy who always, every, every Sunday, he was preaching and he had a guy in his congregation who fell asleep in the, congrega in the congregation. And he thought, I don't know how to get around this. I mean, he's so distracting. He starts to snore. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one up on him this week, you know. And so halfway through his sermon, he sees this old geezer fall asleep, you know. So he says, stops his sermon and he says, all those that want to go to hell, stand up. And this guy stands up. He looks around and everyone else is sitting, sitting down. And he says, Pastor, I don't know what we're standing for, but it looks like you and I are the only ones for this. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said this. If all the people who fell asleep in church on a Sunday morning were laid end to end, they'd be a lot more comfortable. <laughs> so, when you're getting old, all sorts of things happen. The interesting thing that happens is that you start losing hair where you want it to grow, and you start growing hair where you don't want it to grow. So somebody said to me the other day, why don't you just pull those hairs out? You know, those ear hairs are attached to your spine. <laughs> and if you pull those hairs, you'll lose your motor skills for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. But that, listen, enough of jokes now. I, I, I want to share a, a topic that I have held very close to my heart, and that's the ability of God. I want to focus on Him and His ability today. A.W. Tozer said this, great preacher, great evangelist, great pastor. He said, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about God. Today we sang about His hugeness. His magnificence. We sang about His being almighty and His majesty. He is a majestic God. There is nothing that our God cannot do. I don't know if you've been disappointed at times. I, I, I'm going to tell a story about when we were, uh, when I was growing up, and uh, you know, we had the old comics, 
I mean, th they don't sell comics anymore, but those comics are super, super expensive now. But we had comics, and I saw a little advertisement for X-ray glasses, X-ray spectacles. And I thought, these look fantastic. I'll see everybody's skeletons, and I'll see their bones, and I'll look at my hand, and I'll be able to look at all the, all the funny bones in my hand and the little sinews and stuff. And let me get this X-ray pair of glasses. So I went down, I saw it was so much money, we had to go down to the post office, we had to get a postal order, we had to put it in a letter, uh, in an envelope and send it off. And I forgot about it, it took so long. And eventually one day a parcel arrived and it was this little thing and I opened it up and it, it was, it was the, the frame was cardboard. <laughs> and the, the, the lenses supposedly was red plastic. Anyway, I put it on and looked at my hand and all I saw was a pink hand. <laughs> that was about it. I was super disappointed. X-rays, I could see no skeleton. I was disappointed. But you know, you, you've had experiences where you've been disappointed about a number of things. But you know, with God, there is a rare expectation where you are disappointed. There are no limits to his love. There are no boundaries to his blessing. There are no fences to his salvation. There are no guardrails hindering his grace. There are no amount of containers that contain his mercy and his blessing. One preacher said, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. And I think the church over the years has diminished God's ability. We've made him more like us. Been a part of three different movements, three different denominations. And I have to go back to the scriptures and say, what does is, what is the scripture say about God? And I'm going to use an Old Testament and a New Testament uh, illustration. In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, we see uh, Hezekiah is the king of Judah, and uh, this Assyrian army, this huge, massive Assyrian army came against J Jerusalem. And uh, Sennacherib, the king who was leading this army, sent a message to um, Hezekiah and said, Guy, we're going to get you. Other cities, other countries... Have, have trusted in their God, and you might be trusted in your God. It made no difference. We conquered them, and we're going to conquer you. You know what Hezekiah did? He just went into the temple, lay prostrate before, prostrate before God, uh, put the letter there in front of the temple, and he prayed. That night, God sent an angel and slaughtered 185,000 of the Assyrian army because he submitted that to God. In the New Testament, we see in uh, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking towards the temple, and they come across a lame man, and the lame guy says, please give me some alms. Give me, uh, not alms, alms uh, you know, A-R-M-S, A-L-M-S, give me some money. And, and uh he, he uh, Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I have the power and the ability of God. I say to you, stand up and walk. And the man began leaping and shouting and praising God. You see, in the New Testament, 
the guys in the New Testament really believed that God was a God who was able. Yes, the world was under the oppression of the Roman Empire. The world was going to the devil. The world was heading towards destruction. But they believed that Jesus was able to subdue all things unto himself. He is building his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. To Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 12. Paul is speaking to Timothy which is why I suffer as I do, but this is what I want you to concentrate on here. But I am not ashamed, for I know, look at that pronoun, whom, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has entrusted to me. I know whom. He doesn't say I know what. You know, if, if I had to rate the top five Christians in the world, Paul would be number one. He's the greatest Christian that's ever lived. He's the greatest missionary. He's the greatest theologian. He's the greatest, I don't know, he's just the greatest Christian. And he himself, he doesn't say, I know what I have believed, but he says, I know whom I have believed. And that's the question. In the middle of Mark's gospel, which was the first gospel, Mark chapter 8, Jesus is with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, and he settles down, and he's huddled with his disciples, and he says to them, tell me two questions, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, John the Baptist raised from the dead, one of the old prophets, you know, and they give him answers, and then this question. This question goes to the very heart of the Christian faith. This is the question that all of us must answer. Who do you say that I am? Who do we say Jesus is? And that's the question. And Paul says, I know whom I have believed. We've got a magnificent God. We've got an incredible God. Let me give you some facts here. It's going to be a bit of a science lesson. We are 149 million kilometers from the sun. It's a huge ball of fire. It's a star in our solar system. 149. We travel 934 million kilometers around the sun every year. It's an interesting fact. It means from yesterday when we finished being with the leaders, we've traveled in 24 hours to Point five six million five hundred and sixty thousand kilometers through space. In other words, we are traveling at a hundred and six thousand seven hundred kilometers an hour per hour. This little ball, we can't even feel it, is traveling at a hundred and six thousand plus miles kilometers an hour. It's incredible. In 1977, August, Voyager 2 was launched into space. It took 12 years to get to Neptune, our eighth planet. 12 years. Traveling at 144,000 kilometers an hour. To travel 4.3 billion kilometers to get to Neptune. It's now past Neptune and it's going to go out from 19... 89, 
it's going to go out and it's traveling towards the first star. You know how long it's going to take to get to the first star? It's going to take 958,000 years. This is a big God, a huge God, created this in His hand. <laughs> How many stars are there? Million? Billion? Trillion? A million billions? A million trillions? A billion trillion stars out there? And the Bible tells us God knows each one of them by name. He's a big God. <laughs> He's a huge God. There is a star out there that is so large, and researchers have become fascinated with it. It's much bigger than our sun. It's as big as Saturn, who, which has the gaseous rings around it, if that had to orbit around the sun, that's how big that star is. It's called Antares. It's a huge star. Psalm 147 and verse 4 says, The Father determines the number of stars. He gives to them all of their names. Verse 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. And verse 5 and 6, great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The, the Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. There's just a little line, just a phrase. He also made the stars. And how did he do that? By his word. This God that we serve is a huge God. Andrew Murray said this, the power of prayer depends almost entirely upon our understanding of who it is to whom we speak. Colossians 1 verse 16. By Jesus... All things were created in heaven and on earth. You see, change is a present reality. The other day I walked into a shopping center and they had a big mirror there, into a shopping center toilet. And I, I thought, who's that? Gosh, it's me. My, my, my wrinkles are giving birth to triplets. <laughs> Well, it wasn't that funny. <laughs> Change. Heraclitus said you can never ever step into the same river a second time because the river has changed. We're changing all the time. But the Bible says God is the same. Lamentations 3 and verse 22 and 23, the steadfast of the Lord the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, verse 6, and God says this to himself, I, the Lord, do not change. This is a great God. He doesn't change. You see, either we believe, it's not a case of, of either we believe in God or not. This is a case in the church, where the, and this goes right through, fellowship, deacons, in every area. Either we believe in a God or a living God. Is he a God who's active and involved in our daily lives, in our activity? In the last analysis, it's not what we do for God, but it's what God does for us. In the last analysis, it's not what we say about God, but it's what God says to us. And we need to stop playing church and get to worship and to serve a God. He's not a weak and He's not an incompetent God. He is a God who moves planets around. He is a God who is victorious over the visible and invisible powers. And they push down at His feet. What good is a flimsy, weak God when we're going through a storm? When we come to that time of worship where we're elevating Him, who are we elevating? A flimsy, weak God? Or are we elevating this God who is able to deal with all of your situations and much, much more? Let's try the Jude passage, Jude 24 and 25. Remember, I'm speaking on the ability of God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, to keep you from stumbling. When my first daughter was still very young, we went for a walk, and I remember it wasn't a very flat field, and we went, and uh, she stumbled a number of times. She, she, she was just hanging on to my finger. I had my finger out, and she was holding on, and her little hand, and when she stumbled, she let go, and she fell into, uh, into the, onto the ground, and she got up, and she kind of cleaned herself, and we walked on a little bit further, and I had my finger out, and she stumbled again, and she fell, and then eventually I said to her, Kez, let me take a hold of your hand rather than you take my hand. We walked a little further, and she stumbled, but she didn't fall. She didn't fall. I held her. I held her up. See, it all depends on whose hand it's in. A violin in my hand is a squeaky instrument. A violin in the hands of Mishka Alma makes majestic music. A basketball in my hand costs 300 rand. Basketball in Michael Jordan's hand is worth $30 million. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A tennis racket in my hand is a dangerous weapon. <laughs> a tennis racket in Novell Djokovic's hand is a Wimbledon champion. 
a rugby ball in my hand will knock out vases in our house. <laughs> a rugby ball in Sia Khaleesi's hand will bring home the rugby world cap to this country and it'll be a multi-million dollar contract for him. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A slingshot in my hand is just a child's toy. A slingshot in David's hand will bring down giants that oppose the armies of Israel. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A little bit of spit and clay in my hand is a mud pie. But a little bit of spit and clay in the hands of Jesus will open blind eyes and bring wholeness to people. Two fish and five loaves in my hand will only make a couple of fish sarnies. But two fish and five loaves in the hands of Jesus will feed thousands of people. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A little piece of material in my hand is the bottom of my shirt. But a little piece of material in the hands of the woman who had the issue of blood will bring healing and wholeness to her. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A few nails in my hand can maybe one day help make a treehouse for my grandkids when they eventually come. <laughs> but the nails in the blood-pierced hands of Jesus will bring salvation to the whole world. It all depends on whose hand it's in. I would want to say to you today, put your life and your ministry into the hands of this great and incredible God. He is the one who is ruler over the earth and everything that's in it. And watch him do miracles. Watch him perform wonders. Watch him set captives free. Watch him heal the sick. And you will see the power of God through your life. It all depends on whose hand it's in. God has gone to great lengths. God has gone to great lengths to make you his child. And he's not about to let the devil take that away from him. At all. A smoke detector woke a family up one day. Their house was on fire. And the dad got up and he quickly went to the children's bedrooms. He got the son and he got the little girl. And he was going out down the steps. And the son, just with fear, having just woken up, not knowing what was going on, seeing the smoke, seeing the flames, pulled his hand out of dad's hand and ran back into his room where his toys were, where he found comfort. And the dad continued to go down steps and he eventually called for his son to come to the window and they came to the window and the smoke was billowing out and he said, Dad, I can't see you. And the dad said, don't worry, I can see you. Jump. He's a God who can keep us from falling. Ah, he's our security. John chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus says, No one is able to snatch them out of my hand. I want you to know God is for you. Not maybe, God is for you. Not has been, not was, not would be. God is for you. His loyalty won't increase if you're better. His loyalty won't lessen if you're worse. God is for you. If God was on the sidelines, he'd be cheering for you. If God was at the end, at the finishing line, he'd be applauding you. 
If he was in the stands, he'd be shouting your name. If, he, uh, if you're tired, he's going to be picking you up and carrying you. If you're discouraged, he's going to motivate you and push you forward. If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on the front door. If God had a calendar, your birthday would be circled on it. If God drove a vehicle, your name would have a bumper sticker on it. That's how much he loves you. If God had a tree, and he's got many trees, he would have carved your name on it. Isaiah 49 and verse 14 says he's carved your name. One translation says he's tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. Tattooed. See, I have engraved, I have tattooed your name upon my palm. God can live anywhere in the universe. Anywhere. And this is a big universe. I've just described it. But he's chosen to live in your heart. That's how much he loves us. He's a God who is able to keep us from falling. And then the next verse, this is the third one. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Our God is to do exceedingly abundantly. This is a double dose. This is, this is a double whammy. You know, if, if I had to put words together, I would describe this is a big, humongo, huge, horrific. This is an all magni, great, more big, fully. That's, that's really, I mean, it's not good English, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's just the, the, the stuff. You see, this is a God who doesn't only forgive one sin, he forgives all our sins. This is a God who doesn't give us one hope of heaven, but he prepares a place for us in heaven for all eternity. This is a God who doesn't only give us daily bread, he gives us steak, potatoes, corn, peas, salad, apple pie, and ice cream, and if you're still hungry, he'll give you cheesecake as well. This is an, a God who is able because he's incredible, he's outrageous, he's extravagant. He exceeds expectation. He didn't only create one drop of water, he created oceans. He didn't only create one star, he created a billion, trillion stars. He didn't create only one kind of bird, he created 8,500 types of birds. He didn't create only one hill, he created many mountain ranges, the Rockies, the Andes, the Alps, the Himalayans, the Drakensberg, the Grampian. He didn't create one sun, he created many sunsets and sunrises. This is the God that we serve. There was a woman who, uh, uh, who had been walking with the Lord for many years, and people opened up her Bible one day, and they saw a T and a P next to many pages in the Bible. And they said, what does the T and the P stand for? She says, those are all the promises of God. The T stands for tried. And the P stands proved. <laughs> Tried and proved. Now, according to the work 
the thing goes on, according to the power that works within me. This is direct proportion to the desire within us. You know, there was a, a time when Jesus was walking through Jer Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, and, you know, there was a whole lot of, it was a, a, a time when the festival was taking place, a festival, and a Passover, and uh, they were walking through Jericho, and there was a blind beggar who knew that this guy Jesus was walking past, and he, he heard the sound, and probably one or two of his friends said, here comes Jesus, and he started to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, you know, some of the guys said, okay, don't, not so loud, just slowly. And he cried out even more, Jesus, son of David. And Jesus stopped and said, call that man to me. And he came to Jesus, blind. And Jesus says to him, this is a blind guy. Jesus must have known he's blind. He says, what do you want from me? I want to see. According to the power of that works within us. Mark 11, 24 says, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. If you are not prepared to be used by God, don't pray that prayer or sing that song, Use Me, Lord. God wants to do something big in your life. If the size of your vision of the thing that you want and expecting God to do, and if the size of your vision is not intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. One time, you might have thought, I want to be used by God. I want to do great things by God. And you here today, for me to remind you, our God is able. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. There is no power, there is no principality, no name in this world that can come against us in serving Jesus. He is far above every principality, he is far above every power, every might, every dominion. And we need to have this understanding of this God who is able. And take back the relationships that Satan has duped us out of. Take back the health and the finances that he has stolen from us. And we get rid of our anger and our bitterness and our resentment and our strife within the church. Because he has a plan for us. And it's not those things. I want to finish off with three things. You're valuable to God. I said to the leaders yesterday, same thing. You're valuable to God. And as we turn our lives over to God, we need to know that we, we, we are super, super valuable to God. When Jesus came, he embodied God's heart. And he went to great lengths to reveal, us, to, reveal to us God's heart in the situation. Think back of all the past sins that you've had, all the times that you've messed up and all the times that you've failed. And despite these things, God still wants to have a relationship with you. Still wants to have a relationship with you. If you've lied like Abraham, that's okay. He'll still call you friend. If you've cheated people like Zacchaeus, he'll still acknowledge you in front of your enemies. 
if you've left home and blown all your money like the prodigal, he'll still wait for you to return and he'll greet you with open arms. If you feel like you've been despised like the Samaritan woman, he's prepared to sit down, to converse with you, to talk with you. If you've been caught in adultery, he'll forgive you in front of your accusers. If you've denied him, like Peter, he will give you a second chance. If you're hungry, he'll feed you. If you're lost, he'll leave the other 99 and go and look for you as the one. He is an amazing God. The goodness of God leads to repentance, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Our God is able. Trust in the promises of God. Trust in those promises. A guy was going west many hundreds of years ago when, when America had opened up and he came to the great Mississippi River. It was the middle of winter and he thought, oh, freck, this is a big river here. It's ice. I, I don't know. I can't trust it. I could be in the middle and it starts to crack and I'll fall in. I'll die of uh, hypothermia in a few minutes. But I have to cross it. I have to keep going west. So he got down on all fours and he was crawling across to try and spread his weight evenly as, as much as possible. And he's in the middle of this iced river and he hears a noise behind him and he turns around and he sees a stagecoach with six horses and the stagecoach is full, of, packed to the, to the limit. And he looks like a real egg trying to spread here. I, I want to say to you, we can trust God's promises. T and P, tried and proved. We can trust those promises. He has promised to be with us. Let's believe it. He's promised to uphold us. Let's believe what he says. He's promised to grant us victory of all spiritual enemies. Let's trust in his truthfulness. Fifty years ago, I committed my life at a Billy Graham crusade to trusting God. I must say, he's never, ever disappointed, ever. I have times, at times, been too inquiring and at times been too careful like a doubting Thomas. And it's made me into a double-minded man. And that's not a good thing because that always hinders. You receive nothing from the Lord when you're a double-minded man. But I need to trust more and more in these incredible promises. D.L. Moody said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Never made a promise. And when you're working together with the Lord in His plan, things that seem impossible will become possible. Luke 18 and verse 27, the things which were impossible with men are possible with God. You can trust the Lord a little, but you can never trust Him too much because His much is huge. Last one. Ask a little more of God. Ask a little more of God. He's a supernatural God, and He loves to do miracles. Have you been expecting a miracle lately? If not, why not? Why not? Huh? 
I think that we have robbed God of His supernatural being, and we've made Him into a finite, finite and natural person. But He is a supernatural God who is infinite, who holds history in big ways and responds with big to big requests. There's a Spanish saint in the 16th century, Saint Teresa from a villa. She said this, you pay God a compliment by asking great things of him. Reinhard Bonker was an American German evangelist. And he, when he died in December of 2019, it was said that he had converted 77 million people. 77 million people as a result of his ministry came in. I mean, that's just, that's almost this whole population of South Africa. 77 million, that's a lot of people. And you know what he said? There is no maximum with God. There's no maximum. Hmm? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or think. See, rather than praying for easier lives, pray to be stronger people. Rather than pray for challenges that equal your abilities, pray for abilities that equal your challenges. You guys are going to discover planting a church is, is, is not a small feat. It requires huge Huge commitment and devotion. And you're still in the honeymoon stage. Butter. There will come hohos and nunus that come out of the woodwork here. But deal with it. That's how God builds the church. In one step, one upon the next. And throughout the New Testament, that's how they built the New Testament church. Because they had this watchword. Our God is able. Stop telling your problems. Or stop telling God about your problems. And start telling your problems about this incredible God that you've got. Are you feeling a bit inadequate? Yeah? This is the time to make the step and say, God, I believe in your ability. When you think, I'm not enough, know that he is. When you say, I can't make it anymore, he says, I can. When you say, Lord, I'm full of doubt, he says, but I'm faithful. When you say, God, I'm dysfunctional, he says back to us, but I'm complete. When you say, I'm deficient, he says back to us, but yes, I'm sufficient. When you say, I'm sinful, Lord, the Lord says back to us, I'm gracious. When we say, Lord, I've, end, uh, I've got to the end of my rope, he says, I've got another and it goes on and on for eternity. We have a God who is able. I want to finish off with a story about a man who relied 
and waited on the power of God. He was a, a man whose name was William Wilberforce. He was one of the great world changers. He was a man who had no physical presence at all. He was unimpressive. He was a man who had severe scoliosis, which is the curvature of the spine. And people called him an elfish, misshapen little figure. But William Wilberforce discovered the ability of God, and he stepped out onto the runway, and he changed history in a huge, huge way. He fought back slavery and changed world slave trade forever. But this misshapen little man relied on the ability of God in a huge way and changed the slavery industry forever. Let's come to stand, or let's come to understand that our God is a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or think. Christ in you is the righteousness of God. Christ in you is the power of new life. Christ in you is the sufficiency of all things. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. I'm going to ask for a response. But Lord, as we submit ourselves to you today, we are just so aware of your incredible ability. You are majestic in everything that you have created. You are majestic in the stars that you have caused to shine. Your glory is revealed in the distant galaxies. You are higher than we could ever imagine. You are closer than our eyes could ever see. You are magnificent, Lord. There is no one else as glorious as you. Now, there are some of you here where you have had words spoken into your life, prophetic words, where you were going to be used by God and you really believed them for a moment and you have felt that there would be something significant that took place in your life. You have felt that you wanted to do something impacting uh, for the Lord and, and just it hasn't happened. It just, it's, it's, it's waned. But I want you today, we are going to realize the awesomeness of our God. And I want to de declare to you that you can have a fresh new experience of this God who is able. Able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory. Able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask. I want you to say uh, today to say, God, today I'm going to trust you. If that's your heart, I want you to stand and say, today I trust you, Lord, for a miracle. A miracle in my family, a miracle in my life, a miracle in my marriage, a miracle in our church. Just I want to see a miracle, Lord. I want to take a hold of this ability that you have given and you have spoken about. I want you to stand. If you want to take a hold of this ability today, Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's a need. Maybe it's to see an obstacle removed in your life. God, we give you these things. We rely on your ability today because you are definitely a God who is able, supremely able. 
Okay, we're just going to have a quiet moment where you say, God, this is the area that I want you to touch. This is the area where I want you to intervene. Come, Lord. Come, intervene, Lord. We give you full access. Thank you, God. We bless your name.